Hello, and welcome to another EdTech Endeavors podcast, where we talk all things education and EdTech. I'm Amanda Brace, and I'm your host. We have a very special guest on our podcast today. She started blogging with her grade one students in 2005, and after seeing the success of it, she found more ways to connect with classrooms around the globe. She is now a retired teacher, a published author, and inspiring speaker. I would love to welcome our guest, Kathy Cassidy. Thank you for being here today, Kathy. My pleasure. Now, before we get into this episode, can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and how your journey with EdTech and blogging began? Sure. I was a grade one teacher for most of my career, so more than 20 years I taught grade one. Um, I taught mostly in a place called Moose Jaw, which is... Oh, yes. In the <laughs> I know Moose Jaw. <laughs> yes, Amanda knows Moose Jaw. Depending where you live, you might not know it, but it's really big time place. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I remember many, many years ago, it would be, um, actually it would be 2005, as you said, that's when I began blogging with my students. Um, I went to... Um, some professional development, and our ed tech director was giving a session called uh, 50 Interesting Things on the Internet, which now would be ridiculous. But <laughs> even, th- even that, would that be 15 years ago, that was a thing because nobody really knew what to expect about the internet, and it was a very different right. place. So he he talked about a lot of things. If it was I think it was 50 things. And if he had 60 minutes in his session, he didn't have a whole lot of time to to talk about each thing. But I remember two things that he mentioned that I I thought, that sounds interesting. Maybe I could use that. One was wikis and one was blogging. And I went back from that and I thought about that for a while. And then I contacted him and said, you know, I remember you said this word blogging in your um, in your little talk at the our teachers convention, do you think that that would work with six year olds? Now um, that was Dean Shiresky, and Dean is oh, yes. a jump in with both feet kind of a guy, and and we said sure. So he he came over to my school um, after I was done for the day, and and he helped me to set up my first blog blogging site. Um, on a host called Class Blogmeister, which is no longer available, but which was um, something hosted by David Warlick, who was an early technology in the classroom person who did a wonderful service for teachers in starting Class Blogmeister. And then along with it, because it was for teachers, um, you could have a blog and then along the side, all your students' blogs were listed. And so we started experimenting with that. And I started writing something every day about what was happening in the classroom. And the kids would occasionally do their writing, their little grade one writing that's really at first not readable by to by anybody except a grade yeah. one teacher. And, and uh, so it sort of got to be like a writing portfolio. Um, and as time went on, I remember about a year later, I went to an in-service and it was about blogging because, oh, we progressed beyond. There must be four people blogging in our division now. And, 
And I, he, he said, what do you want to learn? And I said, I want to know how to put a picture on. Now that seems stupid now too, because the <laughs> tool, it's so easy. But in those days, I had to host it online someplace and I had to grab the HTML code from that, that picture and put, wow. put it into the body of my uh, article. And, but it was great because, well, pictures of six-year-olds are so much more interesting than just their teacher's writing. So it, it started slowly from that. And then eventually those blogs became portfolios of the students' work in all their subject areas. They posted pictures they had drawn and they posted uh, pictures that they had taken and showing their learning in reading and math and and wow. social studies, French, all the things that we were doing, we put artifacts onto our blogs about that learning. That's incredible. And it probably makes it so intriguing and engaging for them too. Yes, absolutely. Kids and technology just sort of are like, you know, peanut butter and jam. They just go yeah. together. The kids, are, they're not intimidated in the slightest way. Yeah, it's true. Now, I know you wrote a book called Connected from the Start, Global Learning in Primary Grades, which is now actually, I say, free to download, which is really cool. And in your book, you outline a lot of incredible steps and resources to use when blogging and connecting online. I would love for this episode to be a way for people to hear what you've learned on your blogging journey and in turn, download your book to learn even more, which would be really awesome. So first of all, you've said a little bit about blogging and, and how it's really engaged your students, but what are some of the biggest benefits that you saw through blogging at such a young age? Well, first of all, I think it gave the students an audience for uh, their work. Um, otherwise, I'm the teacher. I'm the only person who sees it. Maybe their parents happen to look at something when they go home or they, you know, if it comes home at the end of the year, the parents are not even going to look at it. But they got had a purpose for their writing and a purpose for creating artifacts to go online because they knew that people were going to see it. So they had an audience. Now, the very first tool that I used, uh, Class Blogmeister, part of the tool was that it counted page reads. And so when someone would click on their, their article, it would show, oh, two reads, three reads, four reads. And, and then when you would click, if you click back and then to that again, it would count it again because that, again, it was early days of the internet and that number would show up. So they would know that there were people who were coming to their blog to read what they had to say. So even if nobody commented, then they would know that people had been there to see their work. But oh. people did comment we got comments wow. from all around the world. And we got these comments first from other classrooms, perhaps older classrooms would do it. Um, uh, we had comments from uh, parents later on, some of the parents, uh, as time went on, parents felt more and more comfortable, and they would comment. So that was wonderful, because they had a response. And then I used those comments, I would project the comments would come to me, of course, first, and, and I, I didn't allow them to, to show up on the blog until they had been approved by right. me. And then I would project those and the kids, we would read it aloud together. So that was our shared reading time. 
that they could read and see what it was. And as they got to be better readers, I'd let one of them have a pointer and we would track and read it. And we would talk about the comment together. And then we would approve the comment and put it um, onto the blog. And so here was, was writing that was written directly to them, perhaps by a peer, because towards the end of the year, some of the ki- sometimes the kids would comment on each other's perhaps by a parent, perhaps by an auntie or grandma who lived in a faraway place and they, they didn't get to see them very often. These, this really meaningful text for those students because they were, they were so engaged, even if it wasn't their comment, even if the comment was for, for uh, somebody else in the class, they were so interested to know what that was. And so that was, um, was a big plus. Having the blog also helped us to be able to connect with other classrooms. So all of the tools kind of worked together. And then later on in about 2008, I got on Twitter and, um, and then I, I met via Twitter other teachers who were beginning to blog. And so we would comment on their blogs and they would comment on ours. Then we would mark where they lived on a map and sometimes the kids would say well could we talk to them and so then we would use another tool uh, some kind of a video conferencing tool to to chat with those people if it was possible in in real time but we we formed other connections because of that and through the connections we made through blogging they they collaborated with other classrooms on projects and um, we did all sorts of wonderful things, but blogging was the first thing that we did, and that was the hub from which everything else happened. Wow. It's like a community online that you have with them. Exactly. And, you know, those kids, they thought about those kids just the same way as they did the kids who lived in the next-door classroom. Oh, they, that's awesome. Yeah. Like, to them, it was just somebody else as part of their their extended learning network. You mentioned a lot about commenting and how kids were commenting on posts and family members were commenting. Um, And I know you talk a lot about um, teaching students commenting skills in your book. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, what are some key things that primary students need to learn about leaving a positive digital footprint online when they're doing things like commenting? Um, We Every year we would talk about it together and we would make uh, a, a a poster together, I would write, we would discuss what should be on it. And then we would write about it. And we always, I, we talked about that. It was always good to start by saying something nice, something yeah. that you liked about it. You know, the internet has changed so much since those early days when it was bright and shiny and held so much promise. Now there hmm. are, there's lots of things on there that you don't want kids to be involved with. But I think if everybody taught those skills, those how to be a good citizen and, and, and the fact that somebody is going to look at this and, and see you, your representation of our class, your representation of your school, of your family, of, of our, the place we live, that how do you want people to, to view you? We did talk about that. And, you know, six-year-olds, they get that. Yeah, they they do get that. Yeah, and I, I love that they're learning that at such a young age, so that it's like instilled in them. Yeah, I I think so. I I think 
perhaps if we did more work than with that, then we would have less problems with what's going on online now. Yeah, that that goes along the line of digital citizenship. And I've been learning a lot about how it's more than just rules and regulations on the internet, but it's more of digital leadership, as George Kuros would say. So how do you instill authentic, valuable digital citizenship with your primary students? Is it is it through commenting or are there other ways or avenues that you can do it? Well, commenting is an important one because they're doing the creating of that and, and also reading the comments. Um, occasionally, there would be uh, a comment that wasn't so nice. And we talked about that when that gets online, then it stays there and, and that person is going to see that and how would that make them feel? And I like that because you're modeling it so that even though they're young, they, they grow up with that and they grow up with um, that example and they can learn from that. Yes. Yes, exactly. And you talked about using Twitter in your class. So mm-hmm. can you explain a little bit about how you use Twitter in a grade one classroom? Sure. So um, here are some of the ways. Sometimes we would all post in, like our artifact of learning to Twitter instead of posting it on our blog, just because it would give us a different audience and just for interest sake for the children. Um, for example, um, I would say to them, I want you to write to show me a number story about the number seven, and you can draw a picture and you can write the the number story about that. And then I want you to post it online. And so they would all post those. And sometimes somebody would comment on those and say, Oh, I know a different way to make seven. And they would, uh, they, they would post it back to us. Other times, uh, for example, one time we rem- I remember we were doing uh, riddles about geometric shapes. And so the students would say, I have four sides, the sides are straight, what am I? And Hmm. then people would respond to that. That's a great idea. Yeah, it was was great because they could get some feedback on that. And I could see all of their tweets and see who understood the concept of making a riddle and who understood um, how to describe their, their shape. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. So we would do something like that. Sometimes we would contact an author that way. Now, there, there is one author who's a Canadian author. Her name is Elise Gravel, and she lives in Montreal. She writes these wonderful books that are about uh, nonfiction books uh, that have cute, cute illustrations about gross things like slugs and spiders oh. and earthworms. and she writes other books as well, but my kids were enthralled with her. And one time the kids all decided they wanted to tweet to her because I found out that she was on Twitter and, and I showed them something that, that she had posted because it was an interesting picture and, and they all wanted to tweet to her. So, so we did, they all had their little tweet and she, bless her heart, tweeted back individually to every one of those 20, whatever, however many students. And uh, it was wonderful. Then she sent us a little picture um, that that she had drawn with a little speech bubble saying, thanks for tweeting with me, Mrs. Cassidy's class or something Aww. like that. Yeah, it was just a wonderful experience for her. Um, 
sometimes we would connect with a classroom that lived in a place where that we couldn't video conference with. Okay. So, for example, I remember one time we had one in, you know, I'm not positive, perhaps Vietnam. And it was a, an English school. And so we decided, the teacher and I, that we wanted to connect our classes. How could we do this? So we decided to do it through Twitter. So we played a game that we call uh, Guess My Number. And so th- this is how you play. Um, each team uh, thinks of a number and you set parameters. Ours was always 1 to 100 because those are the numbers that grade 1 students are learning. And so each team, their class and our class, chose a number. And then we got to ask questions of them. and But the questions could only be answered with a yes or no. So we could say is your number more than 10? Or we could say, is your number an even number? Or okay. is your number between 28 and 30? And we, we talked about the kinds of questions that would be good questions. And um, uh, she prepared her class and I prepared my class. And then each day, we would answer a question that they had asked overnight. And then we would also ask them a question. And we had a big chart in our classroom that we crossed off numbers. So, and what would be a good question to ask next? And so each day we sent a tweet to them and they sent a tweet back to us. And so it was an ongoing game of 20 questions. So those are some of the thing, kinds of things that we did. Ways that, that they're doing the curriculum, but just doing it in a little bit different way. Yeah, I love that. Because a lot of teachers are worried that if they introduce technology or introduce blogging, that it takes away from the curriculum time. But how did you incorporate it into your blogging and your Twitter and your video conferencing? Well, um, I would I would first of all think about what is the outcome? What do I want to teach the kids? And sometimes the best way is not technology. Sometimes they just need to sit on the floor with those manipulatives <laughs> or whatever. Yep. But using technology gave me other opportunities, other ways that we could um, try to meet those outcomes that are, were in our curriculum. Yeah. So, so some of the things I mentioned on Twitter and on the blog, we really used our blog more as a portfolio showing our finished products. Um, okay. So when we learned the numbers in French, then they would make a recording of themselves uh, speaking the fr- numbers in French, and then they would uh, they would post that on their blog. You know, video conferencing. We would do guess my number games. We did those frequently with other classrooms, uh, or we would, would do other games about uh, words, making up fake words or pretend words, and seeing if the other class could pronounce them. And we would you know, say, okay, we're working on these sounds. What, what, what funny words could we make up and can the other class pronounce them or something like that, following along the phonics rules that we were learning. That's Things awesome. like that. Just, it was just one more way that I could choose to meet my curriculum. Yep. In an engaging way. Yeah, for sure. I love that. On the concept of blogging and Twitter, I know that a lot of teachers are apprehensive 
to introduce blogging or digital portfolios because of privacy issues on the internet, especially for primary students at such a young age. So for teachers who are nervous to get started with blogging or connecting with other classrooms because of the lack of privacy, do you have any advice that you could give them? Yes. So I think first, um, choose a, a blogging tool that you're comfortable with. Some teachers want it completely locked down so that you have to have a password to get on to see anything that the teacher posts or that the students post. And if that's what you're comfortable with, that's fine. Um, then do that because I still think it's a valuable thing for the students to do. But I think when I think of all the serendipitous learning and serendipitous connections that we made because we had a blog, I would not want to have missed that. Yeah. Now, as I alluded to earlier, in though when I first started, the internet was shiny and there was there was not as many fears as there are now um, about exposing young kids to that. So then, I think you just need to be aware um, of how you handle what you're doing. So. You can give your kids pseudonyms. You can have them post under letters of the alphabet that can okay. be uh, can instead of their name, so that nobody knows who they are. That's a good um, idea. You, I did post pictures with my parents' permission of the kids doing things, but I never ever matched the name of the student with a picture. Right. So you would know that there's that, that those cute kids in my class, but you wouldn't know who was who. Okay. We did use first names, but uh, again, with the parents' permission, but you didn't know which student that was. Um, mm. I think it's really important also that nothing gets posted unless the teacher sees it first. And if you're using a blogging platform that's set up for educators, that's that's not an issue because um, the, pe- the makers of the, the tool understand that so right. that you keep the kids safe in that way. Now, do you know of any blogging platforms that um, are user-friendly and that teachers can use to keep some privacy or uh, manage their students online? For sure. EduBlogs is the tool. After I used Class Blogmeister for a while, um, I, you know, tools change fast online. And so you, um, even though I had been very pleased with Class Blogmeister, I moved from there to EduBlogs because it was a better pro- it was a better platform. Um, it had been created specifically uh, for a classroom, and it allowed me to be as private as I wanted or to be as open as I wanted. Um, it was based on a WordPress uh, uh, kind of a system, and so the, I knew that that was a, a reliable system. There are lots of other ones out there, and honestly, I because I've retired now, I'm not as aware of of uh, what the good platforms are that are new. Yeah. Now, um, but I'm sure if you just did a quick Google search, you could find them and find out what they have set up, what 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 privacy things they have set up. Choose something that works for you. For sure. Now, for teachers who are just getting into the blogging world and who want to take that step, what are some of your practical steps that you can give that can get them started? So I think. The first thing to do is to think about what you want this to be. What 
do you want this to be something where the teacher just posts things? Do you want your kids to have blogs? How are you going to manage that? Think about that. Think about your school community. Think about all these things I've talked about, about how are you going to do, what are you going to do about the comments? How are you going to identify the kids online? What about posting pictures? Think about that. And then, and also look at what your school division says about this, of course. And then um, talk to the parents. I think one of the best ways to do that is to talk to them all in person at a parent night. You probably would have a, like lots of teachers have parent nights, especially if you're teaching young kids. Uh, Talk to them and show them. Don't just tell them, show them what you want to do. Um, So go to find somebody who has a blog that you admire or somebody that has a blog, even for older kids that you think this is how I would set it up. And then say, this is what I would like to be able to do. And this is how I'm going to keep what your, your child's identity private. And this is what I can do and offer them options. So I always offered the parents the option of not having their child's picture online. Um, So think those things through and and give them options like that. I I think the best thing I can say is think about it beforehand. Have your ducks in a row. Talk to the parents and and then go for it. So for teachers listening, have a purpose for your blog, have a platform, and have a plan. Oh, you summed it up very well. Thank you. Okay, so I think we're running out of time, but I do want to end with one last question. I love asking my guests this question. If you could only choose one app for the rest of your life, what would it be? That's a really tough question, and I'll tell you why. (laughs) Apps are constantly changing, yes, and there's constantly new things that you can do with an app. What is my favorite app today? will not be my favorite app six months from now because, Very true. because something else you'll be able to do something else with it. You know, I, I'm enjoying Instagram be, right now because it connects me with my children and with my nieces and nephews who are all at the age where they're all posting on Instagram. So I really enjoy that. Will that still be the case in five years? Probably not. There'll be something Probably else. Probably not. No. <laughs> awesome. I just thought I would end with one of my favorite quotes from your book um, when you're talking about global perspective, increasing empathy in students. It says, from children in places far from where we live, my students have learned that not everyone has the same alphabet, that people speak other languages, that some areas do not have snow in the winter, that children everywhere learn to read and write, that school roles can be different, and that yes, there are trees in Wisconsin. Without our online connections, these global understandings might not have been gained for many years, if ever. So I think that's just a beautiful reminder for us that as educators, we have this amazing opportunity to lead students online and it will benefit them for their future. Well, that was lovely. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for being on the show today, Kathy. And if you want to connect with Kathy, you can find her online at kathycassidy.com or on Twitter at Kathy Cassidy. So check her out when you get a chance, download her free book. And if you have any questions about technology and education, you can email me at edtechendeavors at gmail.com. I'd love to hear what you write in and we will see you again. 